Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. I want to take you there. Brother, again, I don't know what it is. I just feel like letting my hair down every time I come here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You're turning with me to the book of Luke tonight. The book of Luke. And I want to go to chapter number 10. Amen. Book of Luke chapter number 10. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Tech. Thank you for those that have been so kind. All the sound men with the sound minds. Amen. You make or break a preacher. We appreciate it. Appreciate you tonight. Amen. Luke chapter number 10. And I want to start out with verse uh, number 30. Let's just start out with, no, let's, let's back up just a little bit. Uh, Amen. Brother, if I could, verse number 25. I just, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up, and we're hearing a lot about lawyers lately, and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? I love the questions of the Lord. And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, Shema. And with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do and thou shalt live. These two laws, all of the rest of them hang on those. Amen. This horizontal and vertical. Love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. And he willing to justify himself. Uh-oh. Said unto Jesus, he could have stopped right there and left. But he asks him a question, and who is my neighbor? Familiar parable here tonight. Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Wow. And by chance there came a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. And a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw me, he had compassion on him. Compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. And set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, somebody say these three, thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. What a challenge to a pious and proud lawyer. What a challenge amen, to the man in a story that shook his world. We're not exactly sure of what happens in the encompassing story after that to this lawyer. I pray that he was touched. I pray that on the day of Pentecost he was baptized in Jesus' name. But I want to, if I could, just preach and reach to you today, tonight, just for a little while. If I could entitle it, I'd like to entitle it, amen. The deliverance that you least expected. The deliverance that you least 
expected. Could you take that Bible again, put it to your bosom with one hand? Could you lift another hand and begin to pray in the house tonight? Somebody that's here, could you magnify the Lord? Lord, we are, amen, attentive to your will tonight. We're the dust and you're the divine. We're the clay and you're the potter. We're the, we're the, we're the creature and you're the creator. We need you. Help us, melt us, mold us. Thank you for the church right here in Anderson, for the impact, for those that are affected. God, in these last days, a mighty revival, amen, is happening. Thank you for the hands and the hearts here. We give you the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Could you clap your hands one more time to the Lord? On this prime time Sunday night, Holy Ghost Live. Come on. Could you just do it a little bit harder under the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 God bless you. Tell him I speak in tongues. How about you? Could you tell your neighbor that tonight before you're seated? Amen. I'm a tongue talker. How about you tonight? Hallelujah. I want to just dive into this tonight with a little bit of, uh, could I say, commentary. And I don't want to lose you in the ramp up again of where we're going tonight. But I have received, I mean, just probably for maybe 30 years, what we would call biblical archaeology review, other things concerning archaeology, amen, of Israel and world archaeology. I guess, brother, I could almost become somewhat of an archaeologist, amen, because it fascinates me. I love the proof and the validity and how it backs up the word of the Lord. And how about the things that they, amen, would tip the spade and, amen, as it goes over to constantly prove the word of God right. I may have said it before, but even when we were in Israel, we'll go to what was called, uh, amen, I can't quite remember the, the, the gist of the title, but they are literally sifting through under a tent. It's a water kind of application, uh, amen, under a tent, the uh, different uh, dirt piles that were excavated really illegally on the Temple Mount, the Waf, amen, how that they had taken it from the Temple Mount, layers and layers all the way to Solomon's time and First Temple times. And they'll put it in huge piles and then they will bring that. They've got permission to put it in buckets and those that want to volunteer and we'll t usually take our crew there and we will voluntarily help them sift through the rubble in the dirt and find things. They teach us this is a bone, this is that, this is a piece of clay. As a matter of fact, I think Sister Lollick was the winner. Amen. The last time we went, she found a piece of alabaster. I'm not saying it was an alabaster box, but perhaps it was a part of some kind of ornate construction, maybe a, a, a lamp or a vessel. Amen. They would take that and bring it to the Hebrew University to be studied. Amen. Just kind of water uh, sifting and the water and the, the dirt would fall and you'd see all these surprises. How many like to be surprised? Amen. Right there on the grid. And so, and so with all that, brother, there is this unique story of the many faces of Samaritans in one of the articles that I was reading, amen, in the archaeology. <clears throat> and this story was compelling to me because <clears throat> we often look at the Samaritan and that's a nice story. Samaritan's purse, other, uh, amen, constitutional uh, kind of things will be taken uh, concerning the giving aspect, amen, of Samaritan and his spirit, his passion and his compassion. But if I could say, brother, in this, there were at least several 
different analogies, stories that other commentators would come up with to explain what could have happened really. Now, I like behind-the-scenes kind of explanations. I love to be surprised in the Scripture. I like to look at it, amen, through the layers of history, and maybe there's something there I've missed before, and I like to tie it in because it embellishes what I already know and causes me to become deeper in love with Jesus. So with these stories, one of them, can I just read a few of them to you tonight? Is this okay? Praise God. Thank you. So watch this. One of them is the first is the view that the robbers would have been regarded as freedom fighters. <laughs> the robbers. Uh-huh. The thieves. Much like today. Uh-huh. Amen. Dispossessed peasants forced into debt by Roman and temple taxation and kept there by pressures from urbanization programs. So they're giving them. This commentator is giving them an excuse to those that were the thieves. These were the really the good guys. Yeah. Uh, they go on to say, brother, in other words, these robbers are there for sympathetic social bandits, kind of like Robin Hoods in Zitzit. Robin Hoods, amen, with prayer caps on, as it were. Amen, that come, amen, and do their duty just to disperse the wealth. <laughs> amen. I say nonsense. Balderdash. Hello, somebody. A thief is a thief is a thief is a thief. Can I give you a second rendition? Is this okay? (laughs) Hallelujah. Watch this. The second one, another foolish suggestion is that the victim, the Greek calls him some guy, Anthropostis, deserved his fate. He's deserving of his fate. A few scholars propose that the victim is a tradesman who, because he consorts with all sorts of folks, is ritually unclean and therefore unsympathetic. Such conclusions, amen, I want to say, amen, make this man, amen, look like he deserved it. He deserved to die. He should bleed in the ditch. He should somehow decay in his corrupt situation. Again, could I say, saints, that this is nonsense? Anybody else fed up with nonsense in our world today? (laughs) I don't like the ideas, brother, that are floating out there coming my direction. Amen. That's why the kafuffle, my kafoofer, and try to make me think different things. And all of a sudden, I'm snapped back to the word of God. And I simply say, wait a minute. No way, Jose. (laughs) Amen. Could I go to another third interpretation? And I'm running along. Anybody with me in section A over here? Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Look at this. The third is an interpretation that's sometimes heard is the related claim that the priest and the Levite avoid the victim because should he be dead or die while they are attending him, they would become ritually unclean. Therefore, in avoiding the injured man, they are actually following Torah. Amen. Now, let, let, let me say this. Now, I, I know one may be excused, such as the priest, but from what I understand, the law does not apply to the Levites. So the Levitical man may have been all right, but the topography or the geography doesn't sustain the argument because they were going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, which was most likely a truck stop way station of the time. They stopped. That's why there was an inn there. That's why things. As a matter of fact, brother, on our bus tour, we, amen, passed the area that most likely they discovered was the place where the Samaritan would have been. 
So amen, brother, even the Torah says if you find a donkey in the ditch on the Sabbath day, you pull it out because life trumps the situation. How much more, amen, for a person, a soul that God breathed into should be pulled out of his predicament. Hello, so shout yes. So again, brother, the third situation doesn't look, amen, promising to the explanation. But can I give you a fourth tonight to where we're heading? Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to do it anyhow. Praise the Lord. The fourth tonight, is it a possibility? Amen. There is the priest and there is the Levite. And Jesus then brings in, amen, the third figure within the story. Now, one more time, I, I, I want to, if I could, belabor you just for a moment. <clears throat> how, how, many of, how many like to have had stories read to you when you were just children? I mean, just little old bitty kids. Sure. Brother, I'm one of seven children in my family. My younger brother's 11 months younger than me. So we were almost like twins. I was like the youngest of the seven. Along with them, people thought we were twins. He was a little huskier than I was. So oftentimes, hey amen, we just looked about the same. And uh, I, I have two older sisters, and I remember the times that they entertained with, with a, a nice storybook of, of something. And my mother and my father, I remember just laying on my dad's belly. Amen. <laughs> I guess I was big enough to support me, and I was small enough for him. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. But I remember those comforting times. Those, anybody ever have that? Anybody ever have story time with your family? <laughs> There's a lot of deprived people in the house. Hallelujah. But I was blessed with a family that would tell me, and I love those stories. Sometimes even Sister Nala on our long journey, sometimes we had a 10-hour journey. We'll go and preach two services and drive 10 hours back. And whatever it is, brother, hallelujah. It might be a little bit of odyssey or whatever it is, but <laughs> I caught you when you weren't looking. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. But I, 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 she would begin to read something or tell me, and my it it it, it perks my. I love that. In, upon, from what I understand, in Jewish thinking and thought, that when somebody is telling them a story, even when they're just little kids, even in the cradle, when the Shema is whispered to them, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Echad One." Amen. The story teller. Is within them. And according to Jewish understanding, brother, they always have, or at least a lot of times have, a third person or up to three within the story. Brother, but the third one usually is, amen, the hero. And they're always expecting the third one to be the mighty Israelite. Oh, yeah. Can I say it again? Biceps in his earlobes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, these guys, amen, are ramble, rumble kind of people. Amen. They're the Samson of the hour. You don't mess with Texas. Amen. They're coming your way. And I can see the lawyer. He's going, go ahead, Jesus. I know where you're going. All right, Levite. Okay, that's cool. Amen. And then you've got over here, amen, uh, uh, the priest. My, that, that's good. And I know he's just kind of twiddling here. Okay, third one. I know, I know. Because he's used to it. On the lap for years, I've heard it from mom and dad. The third one is going to be the Israelite hero. It's going to be a Mordecai. 
Oh, it's going to be a Boaz. It's going to be. And all of a sudden, Jesus gives him something he didn't expect. All of a sudden, he says, and the Samaritan <laughs> is coming your way. Brother, they've got silver dollar eyes and St. Louis arched eyebrows. <laughs> what in the world are you going to do? Hey, man, I, brother, I believe that came to his mind. What in the world are we going to do with this? Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, what in the world are we going to do? Oh, yeah. Come on, anybody with me over here? <laughs> oh, brother, praise God. I might have to tag team. I'm fixing to take me a lap. Hallelujah. Amen. All of a sudden he says, a Samaritan comes his way. Brother, you, you just ruined the story. Because, brother, pastor, the Sam oh, that don't work, brother. Yeah, it's what he least expected. Yeah. This ain't what's going to save us. Yeah. This isn't what it's going to deliver us. This isn't what it's not going to get me out of my predicament. Brother, the Samaritan was not just unlikely neighbors. Hey, man, not just somebody who said, oh, I don't really care for them. They were enemies. According to Josephus, if I'm not mistaken, amen, in some of his writings, when they were taking the pilgrimage from Galilee, amen, up to Jerusalem, it was Samaritans at some chronological time that came and killed many of the Israelites on their way there. On and on the story goes. They don't have a correct Torah. Their temple is on the wrong mountain. You could go on and on and on. Amen. Samaritans just weren't unlikely friends. They were enemies of the time. But Jesus included it. And it took a Samaritan to pour the oil. It took a Samaritan to pour the wine. And I'm preaching to somebody in this house tonight that there's a Pentecostal in this place that needs to start expecting your mouth to come from another direction than what you've always thought it would. Come on, somebody. It may come from an enemy. It may come from somebody across the tracks. It may come on, somebody. It might be from some secular banker. It might be from somebody you've least expected. But, brother, here on the flip side of 20 and 21, somebody's just going to say, God, whatever it is, I want you to send it. I'm not talking false doctrine. I'm not talking something way out there. I'm just saying, expect what Jesus is going to bring your direction right now. Somebody, could you shout hallelujah? Could somebody get out in the aisle and do a little hallelujah right now? Woo! What am I preaching? What am I preaching tonight? Somebody needs to embrace their Samaritan. He's coming in your direction. Somebody needs to get a hold of your Samaritan tonight and say, God, I, ex I expect the unexpected tonight. Woo! Could it be, brother? Could it be, sister, that while your eyes are closed in this service sometime, that somebody comes and lays hands on you that you least expected, and in the orderly fashion of the Holy Ghost, boom, you receive your miracle and what you've been praying for. Is it possible, brother, that these young people in the front rows are dispatched in the Holy Ghost in just a little while and they feel fire in their bosom and they start praying for people randomly in the congregation directed by the Holy Ghost and a supernatural intervention takes place and God heals, thrills, and fills. Somebody needs to say, God, I'm believing you. Hallelujah. Send my Samaritan. Could you shout it right now? Send my Samaritan tonight. I'm ready for a miracle 
in this house. Woo! Somebody shout yes, yes, yes. Brother, what are you preaching? Can I, can I just, can I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. I'm going to explain it this way. Look at your neighbor and say he's going to explain something. Hallelujah. Brother, let me just explain it this way. Amen. There was, there was a German poet and playwright, Johann Wolfgang von Gemet. He said, treat a man as he is and he will remain as he is. Treat a man as he can be and should be. And he will become as he can be and should be. The Pharisees treated people as they were. But Jesus treated people as they could be. Amen. Peter was impetuous. But Messiah called him the rock. James and John were mama's boys by mama's skirt, rubbing their hands in palm olive. Amen. But Jesus called them the sons of thunder. They lived up to it. James was martyred. John would live the longest yet exiled on Revelation. Amen. On the, on the Isle of Patmos. Amen. Peter was hung upside down. But what if Jesus treated them as they were instead of treating them as they could be? Don't ever look at your Samaritan. Don't ever look at, amen, this is an impossibility. There's nothing God can do through this dead bone yard. There's no no life here. Amen, but watch out. God's going to send the wind. He's going to send the flesh. They're going to come dancing out of the grave. Come on, somebody. You need to embrace your Samaritan tonight. Jesus looks at it, what it should be and could be. Aren't you glad? And such were some of some of you but now you are washed by the blood of the lamb come on there's prayer warriors here there's songwriters here there's preachers wives here there's missionaries here come on heaven's looking at it from heaven's point of view i wonder if you could reach up and get a hold of that miracle tonight Woo! somebody say yes yes yes, yes, yes. Can I go a little further? Amen, brother. I don't want to. I don't want to belabor and bore anybody out of the court. <laughs> can, 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 can I just explain it this way? Oftentimes, we're a product of who we hang around with. Oh yeah, you become, amen, of who you hang around. If you don't want to pray, hang around with people that don't pray. If you want revelation, hang around those that are always talking revelation. <laughs> Amen. It's, it's like the man who is fixing to jump off the bridge. And somebody runs up to him and says, stop. Don't do this. Let me, let me take you around the block and let me talk with you. And they did. They went around the block and they talked. And when they got back to that position... They both jumped off the bridge. Oh, some saints! It's not time to get up in the morning and see even the chicken of depression instead of the bluebird of paradise. Somebody's got to say no. Amen. Whichever man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I want to be a product of faith, brother. In the mission of San Francisco exploration, there is. 
this exploratorium that ignites curiosity. It changes the world or the way the world learns. They did a secret study on unsuspecting guests. They selected random participants. Two questions were given to these groups of two, two groups of people. Can I spill it? Is this all right? The first question is, what's the height of the highest redwood? Is it more or less than 1,200 feet? Okay. Somebody say 1,200. The second question, what is your best guess about the height of the tallest redwood itself? Just one, the tallest. Then they tried it on the second group, but they gave them another anchoring incremental question. Same questions, but they realized in the study that whatever, amen, you give somebody as an anchoring thought, they will launch from there. So the second group, brother, amen, was this. Was it more or less? In other words, the height of the highest redwood, is it more or less than 180 feet versus 1,200? And what's your best guess of the highest redwood there is? Well, the, the, the sample paddle, panel went on, amen, the 1,200 to 180. They had a 563-foot difference. The average of the moor was 880 feet. The average of the 180 people was 282 feet. And none of them knew exactly how high. Amen. But they call this the anchoring effect. It is a 55% difference. Amen. A baseline for our decisions. That's why parents, even though they want their kids to come home at 11 o'clock, they say be home at 10 o'clock. <laughs> Sisters, when you're buying something on sale, brothers, amen, all they do, it's 20% off. Well, they jacked it 20% up, amen. Then they took a 20% down. It's the same price it really was, amen, two months ago, but how many love a sale? It's an anchoring effect. Amen. Brother, I'm here to tell you that I'm not going to believe the agnostic. I'm not going to believe the atheist. I'm not going to believe a new world order. I'm not going to believe a pandemic with the Trojan horse. I'm here to say, God, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Amen. He gave us the anchoring word. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But we will remember the name. Somebody shout faith. Oh, yeah. Somebody say, oh, yeah. Somebody go, oh, yeah. Could you clap your hands under the Lord? Oh, yes. Somebody shout, yes, yes, yes. He cares. Compassion for the man dying in the ditch. God will not leave the righteous forsaken. Or his seed begging for bread. Oh, yeah. I could talk about my testimony. You may have heard it before, at least in, in part. I'm no holy Joe from Kokomo. I don't got as many degrees as a thermometer if I could say. Amen. Brother, I was brought up in a poor family. My daddy, at least for the time I remember, yes, is a Korean War veteran. Amen. Yes. Amen. He was a policeman at several cities. I honor them for Amen. Don't you mock the blue. Not in my book. Amen. I got an axe in 238. Hallelujah. What you preaching, preacher? Amen. But I remember the times an A1 truck driver 
amen, road for van lines across America. I don't think he ever got a ticket, 18-wheelers. I went with him on trips, but a, a, a wonderful farmer. Amen, brother. He knew everything in farming, the harrowing, the plowing, the, pl the seeding, the planting, the harvesting. I remember at a young age, brother, just to help my parents buy our school clothes and a few other little tidbits I may have enjoyed. Amen, 11, 12, 13 years old, working on potato harvesters from sunup to sundown in flatlands of North Dakota. Flatlands, the land is so flat there you can watch your dog run away for two weeks. I remember the flatlands of North Dakota, and I'm not kidding. Brother, the highest mountain there, amen, was an overpass. It's the truth. Ask my wife. We were just there a little bit ago. Amen. And so I remember, brother, being raised in that. My daddy was a sergeant in the army. You didn't mess with him. He took a hammer handle about that big, brother. He took off the metal piece, thank the Lord. And he painted it and put some leather on it, hung up on the wall and said to us boys, amen, this is able because it's able to make you do it. I thought, okay, dad. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, he loved family. He cared for family. He worked sun up to sun down. Amen, I honor and love my daddy. But what are you saying? That's what I was growing up to. We were strict Roman Catholics. Oh, yeah. I remember going, brother, amen, to the, to the, to the Catholic altars. I was an altar boy. I wore the long white garments. I lit the long white candles. I, I, you can ask my mother. I wanted to become a priest. When I got older, I said, Mama, I had such a hunger for God. I won't become a priest. Now I'm a ministering priest. Yeah. Amen. Under the high priest. Yeah. <laughs> Brother, I, I was just a little 11-year-old redheaded snot box Catholic from the city called Oslo, Minnesota, on the other side of the Red River on the North Dakota side, just on the other side. Oslo, if I'm not mistaken in Hebrew, amen, means in modern toilet seat. Tuck off the Oslo Accords. <laughs> Amen, brother. Here's a young kid, lanky, redheaded, long-haired snot box in toilet seat, Minnesota. And all of a sudden, amen, out of the Catholic situation, he pulls us out of the miry clay and say, I'm going to make him something he would never imagine. Brother, I used to go to the confessional booths. Amen. And the priest was in there. I thought, I got to tell my sins. I was 11, 10, 11 years old. I didn't have these modern, unique sins. I, I smoked a thousand marijuana sticks or something. Amen. Not that age. And I thought, what do I tell him? Amen. I stole from my brother. I'm sorry. And I did. But I made some, some sins up. I lied in the confessional booth. I, I lied right there. I'm sorry, Sam. I've lost section E over here. Anybody with me over here? Amen. This is what I was. But I remember the time my brother invited us to this little Pentecostal church, not much bigger than section A over here. Red tattered carpet, cream chip, tattered pews, low ceiling with bare light bulbs, an old piano that came from the ark. Pastor playing, won't we have a time on some old Gibson guitar? Sisters dressed as if there should be Amish buggies parked outside the front. Hey, man, what's going on? Where's the stained glass windows? Where's the smell of incense? Where, where's the candles? But when they begin to sing, Pentecostals, this was me. When they lifted their hands for the first time, 
I was shocked to my Catholic roots and catechism. I thought, what's going on here? But something I least expected came into my life. And brother, I began to pray in the front pew after the message. I started saying, Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Little old tater tot kid. Amen. Our Father, I have a hallowed be thy name. And somebody came and tapped me on the shoulder like these fine brethren. And they said, sir, you don't have to pray that way. Pray to Jesus like he's your best friend. Like I love you, Jesus. And guess what, saints? For 40 some years, I've been saying, I love you, Jesus. Amen. And praying the prayer of faith that will save the sick and change us brother I had a transformation why amen because Jesus said amen expect the unexpected amen believe me that the impossible is possible and God can get the job done can I pray brother I'm, this may be repetitious maybe I'm redundant here tonight maybe I'm redundant in this house amen but help me help me our father who art in heaven can you help me hallowed be thy name Hashem thy thy on as it amen on earth as it isn't on as it isn't it's God's will that what's happening up there gets here the Greek, the Greek mentality is a mentality, amen, that simply says, as rotten as it is here, we'll just strive for sinful flesh. It's going to be, a, amen, a nasty, lifelong journey. But we'll get to heaven someday and everything's going to be all right. But the Jewish thought, Jesus thought was this, brother. He wants the kingdom to start happening right here. He wants you joy and that more abundantly right here. Weep and may endure for the night. Give us this day our daily bread. Brother, if I'm not mistaken, that's, a, that's an English double in the KJV. That's an English dub, double. Give us this day our daily. Could have said give us this day our bread. That's sufficient. That's good. Why the daily? They put the daily in there. Please don't throw away your KJV. It's good. It's okay. It still works. But from what I understand in the scholars and, and in commentators, they simply said that daily there is a Greek word that fell off the Greek language sometime, sometime way back, even before 1611 in the translation of this King James Bible. And they couldn't understand exactly what that meant, that, that word there. So they put daily. Please, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Somebody say daily, it's okay. <laughs> I might become part of a rock pile. Stick with me. <laughs> Amen. What are you preaching, preacher? Amen. Can I give you, brother, canoptic, synoptic, amen, scholars and writings, and they put their heads together, blew off the dust of some old antiquitized scroll, and they come up with this meaning the best that they could. Can I give you the translation? Give us this day the bread that never runs out. Another derivative of that understanding was this, and I quote, and this is what they said. Amen. Give us this day the bread of tomorrow Wow. What a word. That God is not hampered by our little box of self-imposed limitations. Oh, God, what can you do? That if you're a little thirsty today and you're hungry, he will go into your tomorrow, amen, and he'll take some bread supply and bring it into your today so that you are sustained as a child of God. 
God will not leave you frustrated, broken, and drying up in some ditch somewhere. He wants to give you a miracle, but you got to ask and you shall receive, brother. He's not going to give you some stinking snake or some scorpion when you ask for fish. There's a father in heaven, brother, that's not going to give you some heavy weighted rock when you ask for bread. Come on, somebody. He's as close as the mention of his name. Come on, you're the king's kids. Give us this day the bread. Brother Lang, help me. Maybe I'm wrong, but I heard this. I've studied this. Maybe you've heard it to help me tonight. But from what I understand, the scripture says that manna has different qualities within the scripture or tastes. You know what manna, manna hue, which means what is, it? what is it? Can you imagine living on 40 years of what the Lord is this stuff? <laughs> you don't even have to ask what's for supper, you know. <laughs> All right, honey, I'm ready for what in the world it is. I don't understand. But the Bible says it's coriander seed. And how many have ever had coriander seed before? I've tried it because I want to know what they're saying. And it's probably not the same as what the scripture's saying. I mean, it's okay, but I don't want 40 years of that. I mean, it's a little different. It's kind of like the mistake. Can I just spill the beans? It's a mistake. We usually have cinnamon, amen, for my coffee in the morning. Uh, but that cayenne pepper had the same color this morning. That's why I could preach the way we preached. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How did I get out on that? Amen. Coriander seed. But another one in the scripture says it tastes like honey. How many love honey? That's better. We're getting closer. It's getting hotter here. Love honey. Amen. I even put honey in my coffee too. Amen. Just some healthy sweeteners, you know. Trying to cut back on all those sugars. I love sugar though. I remember when we were pastoring, it's pastor appreciation. Hey, man, maybe it was my birthday. They landed in the same month because my birthday's in October, too. So double blessing. (laughs) Hey, man, I got 16 packs. I'm not lying. 16 packs of Oreos because they know I love Oreos. (laughs) Different flavors, double stuff, triple stuff. I don't know if there's quadruple. Whatever, it's there. (laughs) Hey, man, but honey is awesome. And I believe the Bible also says that manna is angel's food or angel's food. It's like Gabriel, excuse me. (laughs) I got to feed them today, sir. Angel's food. But, you know, when I think of angel's food, I think of like this angel food bunt cake. You know what I'm saying? Am I saying the right thing? The the middle's out of it. Bunt cake. I just repeat what Sister and all know. Bunt cake. You know, I'm thinking of... Strawberries and frosting. Hallelujah. Come on. <laughs> We're on the same page. Coming out of the center and spilling out over the side. Woo! With a glass of moo juice. Someone else is with There's a hallelujah section around here somewhere. But why is there such a diversity? With what in the world is going on here? With what is it? Sages say this, from what I understand in the commentary, sages say this. The reason there's such a diversification of identification of the taste of manna 
or what is it? It's because God wanted to make it palatable to his people. That when they took it up, it changed within their mouth. You want some pepperoni? A kosher pepperoni? They had turkey pepperoni. With their pizza, young people. What in the world is this? Whoa! You want an A1 T-bone? Whoa! Mashed potatoes, gravy, frozen corn with butter. What in the world is this? Boom! Flavor. Just burst it in your mind and in your spirit. It's like. Amen. You want something you like? Let God, you just take, take it. God wants to wow you. God wants to give you a Samaritan. God wants to surprise you. He's not the God of monotony. He's not the God of it's always done this way. He's the God that says expect something that you've never expected before. And I'm Feeling this in the Holy Ghost, Pastor. Amen. Thank God for traditions. Thank the Lord for different things that it's always been this way. But God is fixing to send the first Pentecostal avenues, Pastor. You've been praying about them, Elder. Avenues you never thought possible. Blessings, checks in the mail. Things you've never dreamed before. God is setting you up in 2020. For the blessings of 21, 22, 23. It's a But you must tonight say, God, I'm willing to embrace my Samaritan tonight that I thought was impossible. Let an anchor of faith drop into your heart. Believe him for 1,200 instead of 180. Believe God for something higher and for something greater. Could you clap your hands under the Lord? I wonder if somebody could step out in the aisle and do a little hallelujah and say, I claim it. That's it, brother. Come on. Come on, young people. Step out and say, I claim it tonight. I'm asking God for the miracle and I believe in him for the miracle tonight. God's got this in my life. Samaritan. Sister Lord, I feel holy. I feel Holy Ghost in this house. I feel Holy Ghost in this house. Some of you are wondering, God, how it's going to work out. Some are wondering how the finances are going to come through. Some of us are wondering, are my children really going to be saved? Oh. <laughs> Naaman. Naaman. What are you doing? He's got, he's got lily pads on his head. Brother, he's got frogs jumping out of his pockets. <laughs> I'm going to get healed in the mud. But if I'll just obey, if I'll just believe, I'll dump myself seven times. <laughs> you, you mean to tell me that climbing the tree is going to make a difference? Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house tonight. God loves it when you get a hold of the doctrine of the desperate. 
and say, God, I'm ready for my Samaritan tonight. It may not come through the priestess of work. It may not come through the Levite. And I'm thinking of something different, some hero. But Jesus is saying, your hero is what you least expected in the Takesha, in the supernatural realm tonight. Can, can, can I say this, bro? I, I, brother? <laughs> There's so much happening. There's so much happening in the levels of supernatural underneath the surface. Heaven, brother, is constantly ribbing. Amen. The rib cage in the gates of hell. <laughs> that simply cut you when you weren't looking. Caught you when you weren't. Look, how many remember the 12 plagues? You know this already. The 12, excuse me, the 10 plagues. Amen. In the Old Testament, at the time of Passover and deliverance. How many remember the 10 plagues? But all of them, brother, were against the gods of Egypt with small g's. Amen. He battled them. Yah battled them. And in the surface, under the surface, amen, he addressed the gods of that time. <laughs> Brother, we can come to a chapter. Amen. Brother Langer, just maybe, I don't, maybe, amen, do, do, do you remember? Amen. They came through the Red Sea, amen, onto the other side, amen, and they had now the strength of a covenant behind them. And were able to battle the Philistines that way than the easy route. God knew they couldn't battle them. They needed a Red Sea in their soul first. But before they went on to the other side, he said, now watch this in the next chapter. Turn around as if it said, watch this little theater. Sit down in the seats. Check this out, kids. <laughs> Amen. And all of a sudden at Baal Siphon, there's a mountain there that belonged to Baal. The gods of old always longed for the mountains to possess them in the high places. That's why they had to, including David, <laughs> battle the high places. That's why the kings that didn't quite take the high places weren't quite doing the will of God. But he said, sit down. Baal Siphon. God simply said, turn around, Israelites. I'm fixing to bury the God of Baal. And the evil realm knew it, brother. Did you know that the personal, the personal gods of Pharaoh was the horse god and the chariot god? Did you know where they ended up? Yeah. <laughs> On the bottom of the sea. Can I explain can I explain it this way? Is this okay? <laughs> Hallelujah. Something happens, and I close with this, brother. There's something bam, bam, going on. The Mount of Transfiguration. Others think it's different mountains. Tabor is one of them in the middle of what we would call the Valley of Jezreel in Israel. But watch this, watch this. If you look at, amen, the mountain Jesus climbed up. It is the mountain called Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is the mountain where 70... According to antiquity, you got, you got to get this. Yeah. Seventy devils were dispatched in antiquity from the tallest mountain in Israel called Mount Hermon to corrupt the 70 nations of the world. This is the mountain Jesus brought the disciples with and said, whom do you say that the Son of Man am? 
And he simply said, and there's a cave there called the gates of hell that they used to do all kinds of crazy things. He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And he pointed to that cave, I believe. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. To the cornerstone of witchcraft in that area, he said, this is not the devil's mountain. It's mine. <laughs> and to prove it, brother, he walks up the mountain with the inner circle, unzips humanity, and like lasers, fills the sky, amen, and glows. As if it's sunshine in the midnight hour, amen. And after that, dispatches 70 disciples to turn the world upside down. Seventy evil ones came from that mountain. Jesus was given the evil realm a clue and a cue. We may not catch it, but if you study it out, he's simply saying to hell, man for man, got you when you weren't looking. Don't you, don't you think for a moment, don't you think for a moment that God doesn't know where you are, sir. And where you are now, ma'am. Amen. He's going to send a Samaritan your way. Amen. It may come from this side or that side. But it's full of oil and wine. And right where you least expect it, sister. Praise God. He's going to... And all doubt and fear is going to dissipate. And God's going to send you a miracle that you didn't even think it was possible. Come on, sister. That's it. There's breakthrough here. There's breakthrough. Brother, right now, I believe if you believe God, there's an anchor in effect. I bind the doubt and I bind the fear. I'm ready to run the race. I got in the supernatural. Amen. Come on. If you believe God's going to send it, lay your hand on somebody right now if it's kosher. I want you to pray. Amen. The supernatural of fall tonight. Come on. There's Samaritan in this house.